I just wanted to say, um, um, I think that was the first time that I've seen the Gressingers, right, Kobe? I think they have participated in a Tuesday night study, um, and I think they were able to make it to worship once, and so I want to say welcome to you, um, but there are other folks like them who have been worshiping online and have connected with the church um, through this wonderful power of online worship. Um, and so I hope we can celebrate that. I know um, we ought to, um, uh, um, we, we need to give um, a round of thanks to Dustin and to Matt for all they do to make this possible. And so um, thank you all. Um, it, and I don't know about some of you, I have looked back at, at what it looked like when we started doing this online. And what it looks like now, and my goodness gracious me, have we come a long way from a, um, a phone being held up with kind of uh, sounding like you're in a cave uh, to, uh, to having something that for a church this size um, is, is pretty good um, as to how it comes across online. I know when I listened to the youth uh, Sunday, um, I was driving in my car, and, and the music just filled the car, and uh, it sounded like a professional um, production to me. So, um, so anyway, it is a, it's a blessing that we have that capability, and it's important for those who have been coming uh, to know that there are other ways that folks are connecting with our church, that this is an important ongoing part of our ministry um, that we will continue um, into the future. And so, um, so I am thankful for that. Well, on this third Sunday of Advent, um, I, I was sharing with, uh, with Ann earlier this morning that it's about the third Sunday of Advent, at least since, since I've been a pastor, um, uh, that um, unfortunately, as I begin to look, for, I begin to look forward to Christmas with a, with a sense of anticipation, but also this um, small sense, I don't know if dread is the right word to use, uh, but, you, you know, it's something I didn't experience when I was a lay person, but it's like you get to this third Sunday of Advent and you realize um, you still got to get ready for Christmas Eve and uh, Blue Christmas, and you begin to let the worries about uh, thinking that everything depends on you instead of the Spirit showing up. Um, and, and so I tend to fight this... Um, Grinch attitude that I have sometimes uh, versus um, how um, a, a versus a sense of anticipation and expectation. Um, and so, uh, like many of you, about this time, I'm ready to hear the stories of Mary and, and Joseph. Uh, but in the lectionary, they're like, no, you got to do one more Sunday of John the Baptist. Uh, one more Sunday of hearing the words of the prophet. A and so I'm going to invite you to hear uh, these words. Um, actually, last week we, we read the first half of this passage, and this week we're going to read uh, the second half of it. And so uh, just to help you, I'm going to read verse 3, and then I'm going to skip down and read verses um, 7 through 18 of Luke chapter 3. Um, in verse 3 it says, 
John went throughout the region of the Jordan River calling for people to repent, to, to be baptized and to repent. That is to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. And then in verse 7, it says, uh, um, so, so as John uh, called for folks to prepare the way for the Lord, it says, then John said to the crowds who uh, came to be baptized by him, you children of snakes, who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming soon? Produce fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives. And don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God is able to raise up Abraham's children from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit and will, will be chopped down and tossed into the fire. The crowds ask him, what then should we do? And he answered, whoever has two shirts must share with the ones who have none. And whoever has food must do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what should we do? And he replied, Collect no more than you are authorized to collect. Soldiers asked, What about us? What, can, what should we do? And he answered, Don't cheat or harass anyone and be satisfied with your pay. The people were filled with expectation, and everyone wondered whether John might be the Christ. John replied to them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than me is coming. I'm not worthy to loosen the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The shovel he uses to sift the wheat from the husk is in his hands. He will clean out the threshing area and bring the wheat into his barn, but he will burn the husk with a fire that can't be put out. With many other words, John appealed to them, proclaiming the good news to the people. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read that passage in preparation, uh, I, I'm reading all of this passage, and then I get to this last verse. I, I mean, I'm listening to John call the people who gather together children of snakes, and then at the end, I read this. With many other words, John appeals to them, Proclaiming the good news to the people. Now, I got to tell you, the more I struggled with this passage this week, the more I, I kept asking, what, what am I missing here? Because the way I've always heard this passage unpacked for me, um, uh, there's not a lot of good news in this passage, it doesn't seem like to me. It sounds like if, at least the way I've been told to read this passage, is John is out there yelling on the street corner, basically saying, um, follow Jesus or you're going to burn in hell in eternity. Uh, I, I mean, that is, is how I have um, been taught that this passage is to be heard. Uh, but, but, the, but then when I read that, with many other words, John proclaimed the good news. Uh, I must be missing something. And so I found myself um, slowing down a little bit to, to take a closer look at this passage. And of course, it is helpful for us to remember that John is indeed portrayed here in this passage as a prophet of old, as one of the prophets that God calls 
forth and gives words to speak to the people, one who is called to comfort people in the midst of crisis, and one who is called to warn people of the consequences if they continue down their current path and refuse to return to God. And so it is important for us as we read this passage to hear John as a prophet of old, warning people and indeed calling people to turn back to God. Uh, but then as I, as, I, as I began to think about, so who were these people that were gathered in the crowd? I mean, often as I've heard this passage and been taught this passage, um, I would never put myself as a part of the crowd. Because the crowd, we act as if the crowd are, are people who are opposing God and, and Jesus. And, and John is really pointing his finger at them and telling them, you better straighten up. And maybe in part that's what he is doing. Uh, but, but then I wonder. I mean, the story tells us, you know, there's a crowd of folks. Um, in the crowd are tax collectors and soldiers. Um, I kind of suspect... Um, that the crowd that was gathered around John looks a lot like the folks who are gathered in churches today, sitting in the midst of the congregation. Now, I don't know, some of you may be offended by that, and you may want to get up and run out because you've always been taught that, that those folks who were gathering at the river around John were, were the bad folks. But I can't help but think that, uh, that uh, the folks gathering around John looked a lot like the people who are sitting in congregations throughout the world today. Um, some gathered here just going through the motions because this is what you've always done and where you've always been, and it's Christmas, and this is where we're supposed to be. Um, others who, who know who know that they've fallen short of what God calls them to do and really want to do more and to, and to be better examples of Christ, uh, but just aren't sure how to do that. Um, some, who, who, um, who, who when they hear the message where, where John says the axe is at the root of the tree, some who are like, yeah, I know that because I'm in the midst of experiencing um, uh, the brokenness of this world. Uh, some who uh, are just hoping to make it through the season and through the week because uh, of how cruel the world has seemed to be to them or how difficult the circumstances are that they are experiencing on this day. Um, some, uh, some who just want to know that God truly forgives them uh, for their brokenness and for their sins and for the places where they have fallen uh, short. Uh, some, as I said, who are just simply overwhelmed by life. And this may be the last place uh, that, that, that they come seeking that help and that hope. Uh, I, I think, uh, the, and the interesting thing about this is the story tells us uh, that, the, that the people, uh, I find this interesting because uh, John says, uh, you children of snakes, who told you to come out here and try to flee from the angry judgment that's coming? And I can't help but some of the people there are like, uh, you, John? 
Uh, you're the one that told us we needed to listen up and prepare the way. Um, we, we are here uh, because we heard you were out here proclaiming this message. We are here because we want to hear the good news. Uh, those people who were gathered around John, whatever we might know, whatever circumstances they might have come from, they had left the comfort of their home and of their city to wander into the wilderness. You know, sometimes that goes beyond our understanding. Uh, but they, they had come, they had wandered out into the wilderness to, to hear what he had said. They had come to be baptized. And then when they get there, John says, you children of snakes, you children of the devil. Now, I, I have to believe in part that what John is seeking to do is he's seeking to get their attention. Because he continues to go on and he, and he says to them, uh, don't think that just because you are descendants of Abraham uh, that you are going to be spared don't think that just because you are the descendants of Abraham that all is going to be well. I think part of what John is wanting to say to the folks who have come out there is he's saying, don't, uh, don't think uh, that, that coming to be baptized, coming to, uh, uh, to um, once again recommit yourself to follow God, because these are the people of God, these are likely Jewish folks who have come out to hurt, hear him. He is saying to them, uh, don't think of this as some kind of a status or an identity marker. In other words, don't think just because you come out here, just because you're children of Abraham, just because uh, you uh, allow me to baptize you, uh, that all is well. I think when he says, who told you to flee the angry judgment, he, he's trying to tell the people uh, that if they are going to be the real people of God, that they have to undergo the transforming uh, fire of God also. They have to open themselves up to the difficulty uh, uh, of being shaped and shifted themselves, allowing God to, to burn away that uh, which um, is chaff and allow the wheat and the fruit to um, prosper and to bloom. And so the people hearing John's message show that they are not a group of insincere people like we often think that they might be because they asked John after hearing this message, after hearing him uh, say this, they say, so what should we do? And I find it interesting to think about what John does not say. Um. John does not say, like the Essenes of the day, John does not say, come and follow me and we're going to pull ourselves out of the world and we're going to go be our own little separate community uh, that, that lives over here safely and let God take care of the rest of the world. John doesn't say that. John doesn't 
say like the zealots. He doesn't say, all right, God is coming. Go get your swords uh, and come follow me and let's be ready to take the Romans down. John doesn't say, um, he doesn't say like the Pharisees, um, well, let's just get ourselves as clean as possible on the outside. Let's just look as moral as we possibly can. Uh, let's get and get the right theology, and then all will be okay. John doesn't say like the Sadducees, um, hey, let's just hold on to all the power we can. Uh, let's, let's, let's work with the Roman government so that, so that maybe through that power we can force people to behave the way God wants them to behave. John says none of that, does he? When the crowd says, what can we do? John says, share the resources that you have with those that do not have. Now, he doesn't call people to give away everything so that they themselves are destitute. Um, but, but he calls people to give from their resources, to give from their um, excesses, maybe to sacrifice in order that those that have not might have. And then there's tax collectors here, and the tax collectors ask, what should we do? Now, I'm guessing that most of the people in the crowd expect John to say, stop collecting taxes. Just stop it. Uh, because, you know, tax collectors were, um, hmm, how do I put this? Well, I don't even want to compare them. To, I mean, I mean they, they were the dirt of the dirt in their days, okay? Because they were normally Jewish people. Uh, they were Jewish people who were working with the Roman government to collect the, the required Roman tax. Um, and then they were allowed, as they collected the Roman tax, um, they could also collect whatever they thought was appropriate for them for their livelihood. And you know what that meant for most tax collectors? They, 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 um, they made sure that they lived wealthy lives. They were some of the wealthiest folks. Because not only did they collect the taxes, they collected on top of that. Um, and that was how they made their livelihood. And so most folks are probably saying, thinking when that tax collectors ask that, they're saying, y'all just ought to stop. But what does John say? John says, don't be greedy in essence. He doesn't say stop collecting the taxes for the Romans. Now I would have, I would have expected him to say that. He says, don't be greedy. Interesting. And then the soldiers say, well, what must we do? Well, we would expect, maybe he might say, well, join with us and turn upon the emperor and overthrow the rulers so uh, that, that we, the people of God, might rule. Again, that's not what John says. John, in essence, says, don't abuse the power you have. Now, I don't know, when I, when I think about what John didn't say, and I think about what John did say, 
it causes me to pause because it seems like what John is saying to the people is uh, there is this expectation that in preparation for God's coming, y'all are expected to be the people of God right where you are. You're expected to fulfill the role that you have in a godly way. You're expected uh, to share what you have with others, and you're expected not to be greedy, not to abuse your positions of power and wealth and etc. Really, what he's calling for is real change in everyday life. That's the call to action that John seems to have for the people. Real change in our everyday lives. And it says that people were so moved by John's message that they said, so are you the Messiah? And John says, no. No, there is one greater than me coming. And, and I think in part, uh, John was, was like the prophets of old. They, they understood that, that if all there were was their message, you know, if all there was was, was the message of the prophet, Um, And the preacher, if that's all that folks had to go on, there might be some memorable, uh, there might be some memorable moments. I mean, heck, we could go home and say, you know what, that John called us children of snakes when we went out to see him. And we might talk about just how moving his message was. Or or, or, um, we might go away with this to-do list of everything we got to do to get things set right. But John said the good news is, the good news is there's more than the message and the words of the prophets and the preachers. God sends one that is more powerful. God sends one who comes with gifts greater than we can imagine. Because you see, the words of the prophets, they, they may sustain us for a while, but they cannot sustain us in a life that, that is godly. God comes in the person of Jesus, bringing a baptism of spirit and fire. That's good news. Because you see, he comes with a baptism that, that truly reaches down into the depths of our being and begins to burn away that which hides the beautiful image of God within us. That which burns away, that which hides God's love and compassion. He comes with a fire to shape us and form us. And he comes as a spirit that comes to empower and comfort and heal us of our wounds. Heal us of our brokenness. He comes as one who calls us to an action that invites us to participate To participate in being his people who go forth to love our neighbors. Indeed, 
as we hear John's message this day, I hope that we rethink how we hear the words of John the Baptist. I hope that we will begin to hear them as the good news that God has sent one to set the world aright. To put an end to our brokenness. To put an end to injustice. To heal our wounds. To give us hope in the midst of hopelessness. And to shape us and form us so that we, so that we might be the people through whom he begins to set the world aright. Through whom he calls us. Share our resources. Don't be greedy. Don't abuse our power. Allow the Spirit to live through us in our everyday, ordinary lives so that folks out there might experience the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. May it be so this day and every day in our lives.